AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. Hey Matt, I think uh, you have a very interesting story about malwarteizing based on fake addendses. There's a company called Confiant, mm -hmm. and they produced a report about a group that they're calling Zirconium. And Zirconium is responsible for creating a number of fake ad agencies online by pretending to be legitimate ad agencies, getting themselves you know, their content injected into these sites for you know ad purposes, and then changing it to become malware, which is really kind of scary. And they really did a heck of a job in, in making these companies look legitimate. They created 28 fake ad agencies, and each of them apparently had completely separate infrastructure. Okay. You would never think by looking at the, the IP addresses of the domains involved uh -huh. that these companies had anything to do with each other. So basically, they're using these uh, fake ad agencies to redirect the traffic to wherever they want to send it, right? Right. So the, okay. they would create this company as a legitimate ad company and assume for a while okay. it would operate as a normal ad company, but then they would start pushing these ads as well and they were creating them on the rate of like one to three a month. Mm -hmm. That involves creating fake LinkedIn profiles for fake CEOs for these companies and creating blog posts for those CEOs to make them look like real companies. Wow. They had Twitter bots that also promoted these companies to try and get more business because you know you need to draw people in mm -hmm. in order to get your ads placed on people's websites. So they went great lengths to look like it's a legitimate company. Absolutely, you know. yeah. Okay. To me, this is at the very least, very well-organized crime. Yeah. But I don't know if they've actually named the individuals behind this yet, mm -hmm. but they've at least released the fact that they exist. This actually brings up a couple of issues. The first is that this is taking advantage of an entire ecosystem that's kind of behind this, right? So you've got you know, content providers, which roll up to content aggregators, which roll up to ad firms, which then end up on sites. And at any kind of point inside of that ecosystem, you can have malicious ads get injected and they may or may not be caught before they end up getting where they need to go. I read a study uh, here this past month where about, I think, a third of the predominant um, sites on the internet are actually taking steps to block ad blockers and then taking steps to circumvent that and serve up ads in a way that will not trigger the ad blockers. If it were up to me, <laughs> ads wouldn't require anything more than an image or plain text. Like if there was a way to enforce that, this is the part of the site that has the ads. Mm -hmm. It shall not have any JavaScript. It shall not have any other code inside of it. From a consumer perspective, I don't need ads with with crazy animations. I don't need them to be interactive. I yeah. just, you know, if they're going to be on the website, minimize what they can actually do. Put them in their own, mm -hmm. let's call it a, a sandbox, and yeah. lock them down. That could prevent a lot of this stuff as well. I mean, ads don't need to be code. This is the most advanced malicious ad campaign I've ever seen. Yeah. And this is probably the, the setting the bar for how this is going to go in the future. Mm -hmm. I would expect other organizations, other criminal organizations to run things in a similar way because yeah. now the blueprint's been provided as mm -hmm. well. If you've got an organization out there who's as you know dedicated to pushing malware to you as these guys are, Ads are the way they're going to get in. And uh, a user doesn't want to be unwitting partner, you know, in these uh, sure. schemes, you know. Absolutely. So the real dangers of this is that people who are legitimate players in the ad space no longer really know who to trust. And it's really kind of worrying because if people are willing to go to these kinds of lengths to disguise malicious activity, it becomes very difficult for anyone who wants to engage in ad selling to 
to, to know who they're dealing with. It's really to be you know, a little bit uh, you know, vigilant and pay attention to what actually we are seeing in the browser. Try to use some sort of ad blocking software. Little diligence will help a lot for the users. Mike, you've got a story here about certain WordPress plugins being purchased and intentionally backdoored. Can you tell us more about that? This is a really uh, interesting story that came out a little earlier this past month. Effectively, you had uh, a developer of a CAPTCHA plugin inside of the WordPress repository. It was quite popular and it was used on many, many sites. And they sold the free version of their plugin to a company that came along and, and wanted to acquire that. The company that purchased that plugin released an update that contained a backdoor it was actually an update that occurred outside of the official WordPress repository, took them to a different download site, would pull down a back door and set up an administrative credential uh, for the writers of this plugin, and then it would remove itself. And this was done in order to allow the people who bought this plugin to include content into sites that would drive up search engine optimization results for payday loan businesses that they owned. So basically, someone backdoored a WordPress plugin in order to boost the ranking of their payday loan websites. It's the same plugin that people have been using for a while, and the owners have changed, and now the software fundamentally changes as well. I guess it's really buyer beware. One of the interesting parts about this was that they didn't actually get caught by any kind of technical giveaway. What happened was they got delisted because of a copyright violation because they used the word WordPress inside of their branding and advertising for the plugin. Then there was another company that just happened to do reverse engineering and evaluation of delisted plugins sort of in the course of their normal business and discovered at that point that this plugin was actually malicious and notified WordPress and then this started a broader investigation. The point of WordPress is to make it easy yep. for people to set up websites and mm -hmm. people who are non-technical are going to use it and people love to use those kinds of plugins because they add functionality really quickly without needing to learn any more code. Yep. But you have to rely on the people who wrote them and in this case, the people who bought them. And in this case, it's not just one plugin. I think uh, mm -hmm. these guys went ahead to bought a couple of plugins, I think four or five plugins, and that's what they leveraged to basically, you know, exploit it. Well, that also sort of reminds me that, you know, working on a, a free plugin that you give away to people, it can feel really good to give back to a community in that way. But at some point, if you're spending so much time that you're maintaining it and mm -hmm. well, you, you kind of expect some uh, return on it, right? Exactly. And yeah. if, if no one's going to pay for this plugin, selling it to somebody else may make a lot of sense. Yeah. It was a really interesting take on, on the supply chain problem because what you see here is a legitimate developer who's established a pretext of trust and that that has been capitalized on by the acquiring entity mm -hmm. uh, who then violates the WordPress terms of use by doing updates outside of the official repository and purposefully putting a backdoor into the product. So Mike, what can we do as, as developers, as, as citizens of the internet, when, how would you respond to this case? Making sure that you're doing your own due diligence for any kind of you know, piece of software that you're bringing into your environment. You know, Test it in the lab first. In more than one case, it's going to save you from 
you know, creating potential problems that could have a much greater impact than what was occurring here. When you are using the plugins, try to verify them. For example, you take a snapshot of a network connection, that's one way, and what kind of executables, maybe, you know, the file sizes, those all give a little bit of indicators. If you are using WordPress, probably a good time to go back and check all the plugins that you're using. Very few people actually look at the source code, but at least who it's coming from and who is providing it to you something worth checking. Hey, Ganesh, uh, we were talking about the uh, Monero Pay uh, article you were reading. Can you share a bit more about that with us? Yeah, sure, Mike. In this case, Monero Pay is basically, it's uh, talking about uh, the cryptocurrency Monero and the pay related to ransomware. They try to propagate this as a new cryptocurrency, like a uh, Sprite coin. Mm -hmm. In the BitTalk forums, actually, someone actually propagated, you know, we are launching the new crypto coin, it really does not exist. The threat actors are actually leveraging the craze about the cryptocurrencies. And when a new altcoin, which is a, a coin other than one of the major ones, comes out, people try to get in at the ground floor, either start accumulating it or start mining it. This fake wallet software was actually ransomware in disguise. People who are excited about new altcoins mm -hmm. might want to get in on the ground floor, so they immediately set up a wallet for it, yeah. right? Yeah, it turned out the Sprite coin is not a real coin, it's a fake coin. Okay. Once this um, executable has been downloaded, uh, what it tries to imitate is it's trying to, you know, installing the wallet onto the machine. Mm -hmm. And while doing it in the background, it silently actually tries to encrypt the files and the hard disk of the victims. Yeah. All right. It tries to give some information about the user, specific user information, maybe some information about the OS and the uh, CPU details as well as it also tries to grab passwords from uh, regular uh, browsers like uh, Chrome okay. and Firefox. And all this information is sent to an Onion link on a Tor network. Okay. So once it completes the sending of this information, uh, as soon as it's done, actually, it presents the, actually, you know, the ransomware node. Okay. Your files have been encrypted. Uh, by the time it's too late for the user, and I think it demands about uh, 0.3 Monero coins, I think which is worth about 120 US dollars. There seems to be uh, numerous downloads. I thought it was interesting as part of this story that um, the ransomware doesn't encrypt the entire hard drive, it's looking at specific files. A lot of them are uh, developer extensions. I'm a little bit curious, maybe there's something else going on here that's not immediately apparent. Maybe that information is the real goal and the, the ransomware is a cover. The files that were encrypted seem to be very developer-specific file extensions that have to do with writing software, um, which suggests that the target in this case was really developers. So it does seem to be, um, you know, mm -hmm. going after files that, um, you know, people that are more technically affluent are probably going to have on their computers, people who are doing development projects or what have you, uh, to again incentivize uh, the paying of that ransom, which they're keeping small so that it is really more of a nuisance fee uh, than anything else. Obviously, the, the, the target audience for the, the, the altcoin itself would be, would be people who are already involved in cryptocurrencies, mining, Probably and things like that. Probably these users are a little bit tech-savvy yeah. because they know how to mine it. They're targeting about 40 different file extensions, most of them used by the you know, developers. I would say caution, prudence, and a little bit of research. Before you start investing or getting involved with a, a cryptocurrency of any kind, do your research first. If it's something that's just come out, 
maybe don't go and buy it ahead of time. I realize there's a temptation that you might make tons of internet money off of doing it first. The ransomware, you need to have a good verified backups to you know, get back to where you were before, uh, after the infection happened. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.